Patty Griffin wrote that song to her dog. Can you just see it? Had no trouble today with anyone. And that is the Tao, basically. It's when we're so in the flow of life and love and goodness that we don't have to be aware of being that. And so when it says that truly good people are not aware of their goodness and therefore good, it means that all the good they do come from a place that is deep within their hearts and part of who they are and not from a place of what can I do to make people think I'm good or what can I do to earn my place on this planet Ever feel like you, are, you owe rent in order to be here? Yeah. I felt like that often in my life. Like I need to prove myself as productive. I need to prove myself as good. I need to prove myself as worthy. Otherwise, somebody might just kick me off the planet. I mean, I didn't really have that thought. I don't know what I thought was going to happen. But I knew that I was sure that I had to be worthy. I had to work on it. So truly good people are simply not aware of their goodness, or it's not coming from an idea of, I'm going to be good today. Goodness is spontaneous, and it comes from a center of who we are without thought. So foolish people try to be good. To me, that is the, that's the outside looking in. That's going, I want to feel good in here, so I'm going to create some good out here and hope that I can somehow gooden myself <laughs> from that. And that, that actually creates inner conflict. Because remember, we talk about de living life from the inside out not from the outside in. Now, I'm not saying, you know, this is interesting because this is um, a, a spiritual idea that comes up in more than just the Tao. This idea that it, it's about being with people rather than doing for people. And I remember being told in seminary that, you know, if you're not going to meet the homeless person's eyes and see them as a human being, that's your real gift to them. The dollar is incidental. And I remember thinking, okay. So I talked to a couple of people who were formerly homeless that I know and said, you know, how does that, does this, how does that do for you? I mean, does that ring true in your mind? And both of them separately, I wasn't talking to them at the same time, said it was so humanizing to have people look into my eyes. But a buck is a buck. <laughs> so I'm not saying stop doing good. Stop doing good if you're not completely in the space of just exuding good. But understand that the doing good is not your way of paying rent. That the worthiness that you are comes from within inside you, not from anything that you do. And then when you understand your worthiness from the inside, you will do good because you will be good. So just like the song, it's not about what we're doing. It's about what we're being. What we're being. No trouble today with anyone. You know, you can do a lot of good for people while in your heart you have trouble with a lot of people. But when you let go of that, when, you, when we learn to, to actually say, I don't have trouble with anyone, 
when we do our forgiveness work, in other words, and it is work, when we do our work for forgiveness and for letting go, then we become, it becomes very, very easy for us to just be there, to just be present with ourselves, with our dog, with another human being. And so that's what this practice means. So do nothing and leave nothing undone. And when you're always doing, much remains to be done. And this is a, this is something that um, came to me very strongly as an epiphany, and I've been working with it ever since during the Big Sky Retreat. There is a difference between proving who I am and simply being who I am. And so I've been asking myself, because I overcommit, some of you know me and know this, I tend to overcommit because I don't want to disappoint anybody and because I want to say, yes, I can do this and I want people to know that I can do it. I want them to see me doing it. And yeah, all of this is, and it comes from a place within me. It's both and, it's not either or. But what I have been doing as people have asked me, will you be on this board? Will you take on this, um, this performance? Will you schedule whatever? I'm, I ask myself, okay, is this, if I do this, is it coming from my being? Am I doing it strictly because I want to and it works for me? Or am I doing it because I'm trying to prove to somebody else or to myself that I'm worthy of being asked to do it or that I can do it? Proving and being, I've been really working with this consciousness in my head. So, um, True kindness leaves nothing undone. When the kindness comes with, from within your heart, you're really not leaving anything undone. From justice, there leaves a great deal to be done because human justice means tit for tat, an eye for an eye. And that always leads to more. You will never get, as long as you keep throwing out a tat, you will always get another tip. Gandhi said that the first act of war was not the first arrow shot, but the first returning arrow. Right? Somebody says something to you, you just walk away, there's no war. Somebody says something to you, you go, oh yeah? Well, what about you? Now you got a war. Maybe a small one, maybe a big one. Um, and, and I say this in all humility because I was taught very well, mostly by my father, that the best defense is a good offense. <laughs> Somebody catches you doing something wrong, give them a list of what they're doing wrong. Divert attention away. <laughs> it's very difficult um, to, to live without ever re reacting in anger to what someone says or does. And yet, the more we find that quiet place within our, our hearts, our minds, our lives, the more we are able to be in that quiet place, to not just sit in a room and have, oh, I've had a meditation, now I'm ready to take on the world, but the more we take that quietness of spirit with us into everything that we do, the less reactive we become, the less we have to prove the more we're able to see other people's actions as coming often from their pain 
and to have compassion for that. The less we need to make something happen. That's that disciplinarian. Disciplinarian rolls up his sleeves and he's going to force it to be done. You ever done that? I'm going to make myself be good. And here's the list of the stuff I'm going to do so I can be good today. And if I'm not good, I'm going to punish myself every single time I notice it. And this does not bring me peace of mind. You may have tried it. It doesn't work. This is the Pharisaic consciousness. And this idea about um, when the Tao is lost, there is goodness. That is when you're not trying to be in the Tao. You simply are that. You're not going, please let me be in the flow. You simply are in the flow. When goodness is lost, there is kindness. To me, that's the being, not proving. You're not trying to be good. You're just truly kind. And then when kindness is lost, there is justice. That eye for an eye consciousness. When justice is lost, there is ritual. And y'all, that's kind of the place that we live in as a human society. And when I say ritual, I mean law. When everybody's good and feeling good about themselves and knowing that there's no lack in the universe and whatever is theirs is coming to them, nobody steals from anybody else, nobody murders anybody else, nobody cheats on their taxes, nobody, there's no need. When we're living from the goodness that we are, there's no need for any of that stuff. But because we are responding so much from our humanness, from our brokenness, from those painful places within us, then we have to make laws. That's the ritual. Do this and everything will be okay. And laws are not a bad thing. Laws are created because people are doing certain things. Rituals were created for a reason. As a reminder, I mean, even religious rituals, they were created as a reminder. But then what happens when the law becomes the God rather than the law describing the God? Does that make sense? Do this. Do this because I said. Do this because it's the law. And that is just what the Pharisees did with Jesus. They were like... when he went and picked an ear of corn on the Sabbath because he was hungry. They said, you're breaking the Sabbath. You're not supposed to do any work. (laughs) And he said, again, and he was healing people on the Sabbath. They got after him then too. And he said, was the Sabbath made for man or was man made for the Sabbath? And I thought the Sabbath was put here to serve us to give us that day of rest. We were not put here to, by golly, sit down all that day and don't do another thing. That is following the letter of the law rather than the spirit of the law. And we are doing a lot of that. You know, as soon as you make a law, somebody finds a loophole. Have you ever noticed that? I don't know what the answer is out there. I only know what the answer is in here, is I begin to live as who I am, to remember that I am blessed, that I am one with everything there is. 
and that I don't owe anybody anything. And when I don't owe anybody anything, then everything that I give is for free. No strings attached. I let it go. I'm giving from who I am, not from what I've got. So the paradox is that as soon as we put a label, oh, the other thing it said is um, that the, flu, the, the future is only a flowery trapping. What we're looking for is the fruit, not the flower. We're saying, well, this is happening, so therefore this must be the depth, not the surface. Reality is to be where you are now, not, well, I know I'm going to get fruit someday. It's to be where you are now and know what the fruits are of this moment, rather than constantly trying to prove that it's going to get better. Does that make sense? So this paradox that is as soon as we put a label on things, we develop a concept that is not that thing. As soon as we call God, God, we have stuff built around that. What does that mean? This is what it means. We have a concept in our mind of what that means. And it's unavoidable. We think in language. We have for hundreds and hundreds of thousands of years. Um, you know, maybe first it was hand gestures and grunts, but eventually we came to the place where we realized when I grunt this certain way, this person acts that way. So if he grunts in the same way I am, maybe he'll get the same result. And then we have language. And then we start thinking in language and we start labeling things. And neuroscience says very clearly that once you have labeled it, once you go, I know what that is, you put it in a little drawer and you don't take it out and look at it again. I know what a Republican is. Close that drawer. Don't have to ever think about it again. I know what a liberal is. Close that door. Don't ever have to think about it again. Then we begin not to look at the whole picture or the whole person or the whole issue, but to simply stand behind our labels. This is a label I made and I am standing behind it. And that's fine. We'll do that until we don't do it anymore. But that is throwing out tits and tats. <laughs> and it is limiting us because when we stand behind the label we made, we miss everything that's out there, everything that's out in front of us. So then we, when we, when we label something, we know that it's not the truth of that thing, and so we start. We start making, we start acting, deciding, judging, reacting, making laws based on our labels and our perceptions. And we act on our perceptions, not on reality, right? If I decide I know who you are, then I'm going to act accordingly. But I don't know who you are. I may have known who you were yesterday. I don't know who you are in this moment because people are constantly in flux. That's, that's why it's so uncomfortable for some of us to go home for the holidays because so many people in families go, I know who you are. And even though you are 50 now, they're still seeing you as nine. This actually, a few years ago, my sister was going on and on and on about me being a tattletale. And I was like, I was 10. I am 50 now. When are you going to let go of this? That's not who I am. That's not who I am. It's a thing I did as a kid. 
And actually, I'll stand behind that. <laughs> it's a thing I did as a kid. It's not who I am. It's not who I am. And it's very interesting to tell people you're a minister because then they think they know who you are. They make all kinds of assumptions about that, that you probably have no sense of humor, <laughs> that you know they're not going to offer you a glass of wine because you would not be having it, or whatever. Or they make the assumption, you're a minister, I am out of here. So I don't want you preaching at me. I don't want to hear what you've got to say. I've heard it all before. We've never heard it all before. But it makes it simple. It makes our life simple to put things in boxes and then put them away and then never look at them again. And part of being in the Tao, part of being in the flow, part of being one with the one that is constantly giving birth to the universe. Meister Eckhart has this beautiful quote where he says, the creation was not something that happened one day long ago. God is constantly on the birthing bed, giving birth to a new universe at every second and every nanosecond. How's that make you feel? Creation wasn't something that was stuffed into a box. We can think about it that way, but actually creation is happening right now. This is creation, and we are co-creating with it by our choices and our decisions. So I ask you, who would you be if you didn't know who you were? Think about that for a minute. If I didn't put a label on this is who I am, therefore this is how I have to act. You think it would make a difference? Just a question, just something to fool around with. But here's what I know, you become what you practice. Not the things that, not the fleeting thoughts that go through your head every now and then, but when the fleeting thought comes and you sit down and make it tea and spend the whole afternoon with it, tell me more about how bad this is. Tell me more, tell me more, tell me more. My friend Chris Chenoweth says, worrying is praying for what you don't want because you're spending your time focused on the thing you're afraid of rather than focused on the thing that you really want, which is the highest good for everybody involved. The highest good for everybody involved. So we become what we practice, and I believe that's why we're here. We're here on this planet. We're here in this sanctuary to learn, to remember more truly who we are, and to remind each other to be mirrors for each other. And we are mirrors for each other. Sometimes people are mirroring back things I don't want to see. Sometimes they're mirroring back things I do want to see. But every time I understand that that's a reflection of something inside of me, and there's nothing out there to fix, I don't need to fix them. I need to look in here and see what it is that's being disturbed. We become what we practice. We remind each other until we no longer need reminding. Until we simply fully are living into the love that we are. Um, as some people put it, letting God be God in us. If I can't love somebody, I don't have to. I don't have to. I can go, you know what? I need the spirit of God to love that person. And I'm, al I'm allowing you to use this body. <laughs> But I can't do it. I can't do it. Jesus gave that same example on the cross. 
He didn't say to the thief that was hanging next to him, I forgive you. He didn't say, I forgive all you people who hung me up. He said, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. He, at the time, was probably a little preoccupied with the torture that his body was going through. And yet he understood that forgiveness could be had. He didn't have to use his humanness to forgive because the very love of God flowing through him was the forgiveness. And for, by asking for it, by saying, forgive them, he was simply allowing the spirit of love, the spirit of God, the spirit of forgiveness to flow through him. It's a very helpful thing when you think, I can't do it, I just can't do it. You don't have to. I allow spirit to do it in me and through me. And I want to leave you with a quote by Henri Nouwen from his book, You Are the Beloved. He said, letting go of the desire to be perfect lovers and allowing God to love people through us, that is the great spiritual call that is given to you and me. Thank you. into a long um, meditation, what I want to do is center us in prayer and then lead on into our ceremony of accepting our new members and celebrating our volunteers. So for a moment, shall we just join together as one? In quiet, in love, in peace. living that heavenly day where we don't have to have trouble with anyone unless we want to. And knowing that in this moment we can let it go. If we want to pick it up when we leave, that's fine. It's our choice. But in this moment, I invite us into that space of allowing God to be God in us, of allowing love to be the fullness of that love in us. And knowing that in the end, that's all we need to do is allow ourselves to be in the love that we already And there's peace in that. And there's fullness in that. And there is gratitude in that. And so we say, 